Um, and if he doesn't get to say what he wants to say in 15 minutes, well, that's tough luck. Um, a big buzzer will go off in 15 minutes' time. Um, Whilst Steve's speaking, be thinking of questions you want to ask him. Steve's going to set out some of his thoughts, but probably not all of them, and then he's going to ask um, us to ask him some questions. So if you want to ask questions, there's a piece of paper which you should have got in the new sheet, um, and there are some pens dotted around, I think, and hopefully people have got pens with them. Um, do scribble down um, any questions you've got. After Steve's finished talking, we're just going to take five minutes, a couple of minutes, just to collect the questions in um, and then sort of categorise them into the sort of themes that people have asked about. Um, and then we're going to spend a bit of time afterwards asking Steve some questions. Again, afterwards, he's going to have three minutes. And again, if he can't spit it out in three minutes, uh, you won't get to hear the end of the sentence. <laughs> so Steve is going to come and talk to us about prayer. He's got literally 15 minutes. So I am going to hand over to Steve after I've read the reading, which I said I would do. Uh, so the reading is um, just a selection of bits from James 5. It's not all the verses in James 5, it's some selection of verses just to get us thinking around this issue of prayer. So let me read it to you. This is James 5. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Steve's got 15 minutes. Here you go. Great. So, uh, yeah, this is the, uh, oh yeah, that, this can't count in the 15 minutes. You gotta switch, oh, this is the uh, Sunday grill. Uh, the 15 minutes can start now, I guess. Uh, this, uh, this is the Sunday grill, as Dave said. And last week, we gave you four subjects, and we asked everybody who was here to vote, uh, what would you like to look at? These four questions. And last week, we ended up looking at the question, why do the good die young? If God is really all-powerful, why is he impotent in the face of so much pain and tragedy? And we voted, you voted, that this week we'd look out why doesn't prayer work when the Bible promises it will? Why doesn't prayer work when the Bible promises it will? And I'd like to address that over the next 14 minutes. Firstly, let me say this. One of the things that, if you're part of this church, you know, is that we know that the Bible, I'm not holding a Bible at the moment because I left it on the chair, I don't need it, is a library. And it's a library, and the different books that make up that library, Bible meaning library, the different books sometimes agree and sometimes disagree. Sometimes they disagree over seemingly trivial things. There are different reasons given for certain events. Sometimes they disagree over sheer facts. So Matthew disagrees with Luke over how Judas died. 
Matthew in the New Testament thinks that Judas died because he was so overcome by remorse because he betrayed Jesus that he rushed outside having tried to give the 30 pieces of silver back and uh, he uh, committed suicide. He hanged himself. Luke, writing Acts as well, uh, believes that what happened to Judas happened to Judas much later on and actually he had some kind of disease that meant his stomach burst open. Two different accounts in the New Testament. These are often called contradictions. They're not really contradictions at all. They're actually different accounts written by different people. If we all left this building at the end of this service and headed to the coffee shop (laughs) and uh, sat there and talked about what happened earlier and uh, what Rose said when she came to the front to introduce uh, uh, Josh, there'd be different accounts of what happened and what order it happened in. We've all been here, it's true, and actually the different emphasis and ideas are simply evidence that people are using their brains and engaging. And as you read through the Bible, you find different ideas put forward by different writers. And why are all these books in the Bible? They're all there because through the centuries of Christian witness and Jewish witness before them, half of our Bible being borrowed from the Jewish community, These books have been put into the library because the wisdom of the ages say they contain insights. Not the whole truth, but they contain insights. They're important steps along the way until we see God as he is through Jesus. Once you understand that about the Bible, you understand a couple of things. You understand a lot, I guess, but you understand this. That Christianity, Christian faith, is supposed to be a debate. And any sermon, any Sunday grill or any sermon, it's not about the preacher telling you what you ought to believe. It's about the preacher or leader bringing what they've got to bring for discussion and debate. And as some of you would have heard me say before, a really cracking sermon isn't one that you go away saying, Wow, that was brilliant. I've written it all down and now that's exactly what I believe. But a really cracking sermon is one that sends you away... And it sends you away to discuss and debate in the car or on the tube on the way home. You've got to keep thinking about this. We've got to keep wrestling with truth. And it's only as we wrestle with truth that truth is found. So, for 1,800 years of its life, the church around the world believed it was okay for a white man to enslave a black man. And the Bible was quoted black and white as evidence for this. But it was wrong. It was always wrong. It didn't suddenly become different in the 1800s. It had always been evil. It had always been wrong. But the truth, you have to wrestle with it and pull it out of these books and your human understanding. And likewise today, the church still finds itself, in my opinion, on the wrong side of many moral issues. We have to keep wrestling. And that means we need to understand the Bible more deeply. Here is the subject we're talking about. You have to look at it up there. Uh, um, Why doesn't prayer work when the Bible promises it will? Well, James says, this is James, Dave just read this to us, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Then call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sixth person well and the Lord will raise them up Jesus said this this is John 14 very truly I tell you whoever believes in me 
will do works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. There you go. Open and shut. That's why we've come to the view that if I just pray, it will happen. If we pray for the sick person, they'll get better. We prayed for Alf. In a few weeks' time, on a Saturday morning, his funeral will take place here. We've prayed, you've prayed for friends who've been struck down with cancer. Some have been healed and some haven't. We've watched tragedy unfurl. Lots of you, I guess, prayed that we'd um, leave the European Union. I certainly did. I prayed prayed that we'd remain within it. I was okay. There you are. When you rub that off the tape. (laughs) That, That was not an official statement. There you go. Error creeps in everywhere, doesn't it? I prayed that we stay within the European Union. I organised several debates on the morning before um, on radio. I, deb- I spent a morning debating with Anne Whittacombe who wanted to leave. Um, I wanted to stay within the European Union. I prayed about it. seems wise. It seems the only natural thing for me. But um, we did something else. So prayer doesn't always work. And of course people were praying both ways. That gets really confusing for God, doesn't it? When people are praying both ways on things. What does he do? And we live in a world where whole traits of Africa are barren and they need water. And we live in a world where people are abused in this city every single day and we pray that it will end and it doesn't. So what do we make of what Jesus said? Ask anything of, you, of me and I'll give it to you. If the, uh, James says, if, the, if, if, the sick per, if you pray for the sick person, they will be made well. The truth is it's all about context. It's all about what I've just been talking about, understanding the Bible more deeply. A text out of context is a pretext for anything you want to make it. Uh, Years and years ago, I went to speak at a church in Sevenoaks. I remember this very well. And I was feeling really down. I was struggling. Oasis was, you know, it was much smaller then and uh, carrying the load of all of this. And and so I was going to speak in this big church. It's called St. Nick's in Sevenoaks. And uh, before I had to go out and speak, I went into the loo. And uh, I went to the loo. And on the wall of the loo in St. Nick's, Sevenoaks, was this, uh, there was a a Bible verse. And it was a brilliant Bible verse. Some words of Jesus. It said, fear not, little flock. It's from Luke. Fear not, little flock. It is the Father's goodwill to give you his kingdom. And it was really encouraging to me. I wrote it down. The next morning I got up and I thought, I'll read this in Luke. I'll read this verse. Fear not, little flock. It is the Father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. I'll meditate on it. But then I read it in Luke, and the verse actually says, Fear not, little flock, it is the Father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. Therefore, sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. (laughs) And I thought, no wonder they left the second half of the verse off in seven oaks. (laughs) 
there are kind of seven oaks verses and verses that don't play so well in seven oaks and I'm not knocking people who come from seven oaks or live in seven oaks but we do that to the Bible all the time a text out of context is a pretext for anything you want now the Bible wasn't written in verses at all and it wasn't written in chapters it wasn't even written in books these were letters that were pulled together a library they stand alone but they're pulled together Charles Spurgeon famous preacher our old preacher Baptist preacher once said whoever put the chapters and verses into the Bible was a very drunk man on a very dark night on a ship being tossed around in a terrible storm because they're in such daft places and because we've divided it up into verses and chapters we often don't read it for what it actually says here are those words from James but these are these are the few verses before the one we just had James says to the people he's writing to, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. They're struggling. This is a small church struggling. So James writes and says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield up its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. They don't come when you want them. You've got to hang on in there. Don't give up. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count them blessed as those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I don't know if you know the story of Job. I guess most of you do. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible, though not the first book in the Bible, in the library. But Job is a good, he's presented as a good and a prosperous family man. He's committed to his wife and he's committed to his kids and he's committed to other people. And in the story, some deal is done. And as the deal is done between Satan and God, it's a story, it's a story, it's a parable. And as this, as this deal is done, Job's life is destroyed. It's systematically destroyed. Everything he holds dear is taken from him, including every one of his children. He lo- they die, all of them, they die. His health is taken, his whole family is taken. He loses all his property, he loses his livelihood, he has nothing, he loses all his friends. He sits in the dirt. He asks God for answers and there are no answers and there still is no answer even at the end of the book. Simply an understanding from Job that God is bigger than he is. So that's the introduction and after that introduction it reads straight on. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Trust God. This God who we don't understand and we sometimes suffer and we were all suffering right now. Have patience, persevere, but pray and sing songs of praise as a discipline. Is anyone among you ill? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. And what James is saying in context is, I'm praying this, I hope this, we believe this. I've just told you about Job. It doesn't always happen. It doesn't happen in time and it doesn't happen in our plan. But we still believe and we still pray because we're dependent on God. And sometimes there are breakthroughs. The words of Jesus that we quoted, pray whatever you want in my name and it will be given to you. They're taken from John chapter 14. John wasn't written in chapters. 
Here's John chapter 12. Now the, This is Jesus. Now, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out. John chapter 14, the same chapter. I don't have much time with, to talk with you, says Jesus, because this, the ruler of this world approaches. He's talking about Satan, the powers of evil. He has no power over me. Why not? Because I'm choosing the way of the cross and I'm going to lay down my life and I'm not going to fight. All 12 of those people in that room with Jesus, when he says, ask anything and I'll give it to you in my name, all of them, except for Peter, die, uh, uh, except for John, die agonizing deaths. The church is filled with suffering. Ephesians chapter 2 refers to Satan still as the prince of the power of the air. We live in a world where it's not all right. We're battling. At the end of Ephesians, as I said last week, so I'm not quoting it again, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against spiritual rulers in the heavenly realms. It's a battle. It's a fight. It's on. We're going for it. We partner with God. People are dying of cancer in every hospice around the country. Hospices were founded by Christians who wanted to make death more palatable. That's what palliative care is all about. Every nurse, every teacher, every social worker, every banker, every one of us should be fighting for justice because we believe the words that Jesus taught us in the one prayer he gave us. Pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Jesus said, seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. But all of Jesus' promises about uh, fulfilling our needs pray what you want in my name and I will give it to you they're obviously not about personal safety and personal wealth and health because the disciples were a bunch of poor people who gave their lives to follow their master take up your cross and follow me Jesus says so you see what we've done is we've yanked a few verses out of their context we put them together to give us a health and wealth life even though we would mostly in this room say we don't do health and wealth we still do prayer the prayer of a righteous man makes my life wonderful no we serve God and we live and die in that cause thank you Okay, everyone, um, Dave's sorting out some uh, uh, questions, but I'm going to take, um, is it three, uh, three minutes to a- answer these. So there's two uh, here that are kind of the same. So why pray at all? And someone else said, how do you pray in the political chaos that's happening if prayer doesn't work? And <laughs> one says, will, oh, I'm a, will you run for prime minister? Like, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of different options. <laughs> I won't read you the rest, but there you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I'll start by uh, talking about that. Um, I'll talk about that. You know, we are all politicians. We all create the world and the society in which we live. It so happens that a long time ago, as the mayor thing was setting up, um, it's true, I was asked by the Labour Party if I'd stand as the mayor of London. And um, I, I got a whole load of friends around it around it and I thought about it and I talked to lots of my MP friends constantly about um, politics. I'm in and out of parliament all the time. We're all in politics though, whether or not we're MPs, that's the problem, you see. There are two forms of politics, uh, two forms of democracy that always need to work together. The first is called representational 
representative politics, but a, a democracy is only healthy if representational politics is balanced by participative politics. You need representation and participation. When you get representation, sending people to the town hall or to uh, Westminster or to Brussels, without the participative bit, you, it always goes wrong. People are representing people but don't feel accountable and are not listening. Perhaps they're not listening. Perhaps no one else is standing up. You know? So you need the active, participative politics. We're all in politics. So for me, the choice in life is always, where do I make the most difference? You know? Where do I make the most difference? How do we bring about the most change? How do we bring in the kingdom of God? So does prayer work? I uh, believe this. Remember, everything I say is what I believe and what I think, and hopefully I'm growing slightly wiser as I go through the years, and so in five years' time I'll be wiser than I am now, hopefully, um, and therefore all of our views are developing. A real problem in life is when we look at people who are behind us in development and go, oh, how stupid they are, not realizing we used to think that five years ago. So we put people down who are behind us on a journey, and then we look at people who are ahead of us on a journey and we go, oh, what a bunch of liberals they are. Isn't it good to reach a place in life where you can actually listen to other voices? So, but what do I believe about this? Probably taking all three minutes up now. Jesus taught one prayer only, and he said, Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us the mistakes we make. But it begins with this emphasis on working for the kingdom. We've got to work at it, work at it. So the one prayer we have tells us that prayer sitting in a room isn't enough. The one prayer we have from Jesus commands us to get involved. Bring your kingdom. Your will be done on earth through us right now. We're going to work at it. Prayer in, uh, in Hebrew understanding is much more active. It's active democracy than it is in Christianity. In 30 seconds running over, I'll tell you simply this. All right, sorry. I'll wheedle it into another person. <laughs> right, so the next set of questions is, um, is really about some stuff you said last week, actually. So the question that says, if God is not omnipotent, but simply does his best, as you suggested last week, then can God actually answer prayers? Hmm. Um, and another one that says, um, if, God's no, if God knows best, we don't know best. You know, why would God ever bother answering our questions? If, say that bit again. If, if God knows best, and why would we ever answer our prayers? Because we don't. God okay. knows best. Okay, uh, so though actually that does lead on from what I was going to say, rather miraculously, there you are, God answers prayers. <laughs> the, the concept, the Hebrew concept of prayer is much more active than our concept of prayer. The Christian concept of prayer has become, I'll sit in my, on my couch, I'll pray some things and the world will change. Now, I've been part of prayer movements, and there are lots of prayer movements, 20 support, 7 prayer movement, etc., etc. But there is this tendency that I see all too often that, look, we've got rising crime around our city. I've seen posters like this in the last few weeks, by the way. Well, there's rising crime around our city. Gangs are out of control in South London, as you know they are right now. So we're calling a prayer meeting to pray about it. And I actually read something just a few weeks ago that said, on the night we prayed, uh, we spent a whole night praying, this group said, Crime fell in our city. That raises so many problems for a person like me. Like, 
Why worship God if you've got to all sit in a room and plead with him and he brings down the crime rate? Once you've said amen, it soars high sky, uh, sky high again. Actually, prayer, I believe, is a much more participative thing. So when Jesus taught us his one prayer, pray out. When you pray, say, pray like this. Our Father, whose king, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. I don't think Jesus was saying, here's a nice piece of liturgy to lob out every Sunday. I think that, that praying in a liturgical form when we're together is a really good and wise thing and disciplined thing to do because it brings us back to our roots. But the prayer needs to become our life. Uh, my wife would tell you, she hears me say this all too often, but a prayer isn't something you say, it's something you dream. It's something that whirls up inside you, you're committed to, your whole life is given over to it. It's an urge inside you, you have to live out this prayer. And all I can tell you is the Bible last week when I said, for those of you who weren't here, God's trying his best. What I said is this, in the end... Revelation 21 tells us, God tells us, in the end he will have his own way. There will be no more suffering or crying or pain or death or disease. In the end this will happen, says God in Revelation 21. But right now there is persecution. Revelation was written to Christians who might lose their life any day if the Roman army arrived. There was a huge persecution going on. In the end it will be different, but right now we struggle and suffer. Why do I pray? Why do I pray? I pray a lot. I pray for loads of you. I honestly do. There's Azariah sat down the front, who I've not seen for a few weeks. I pray for Azariah. For instance, all the time I go on a run around Kennington Park. And, it, you know, as I go on this run around Kennington Park, I get to various trees and bits. And it just, you know, every time you get to that tree, you think of that person for some reason. So I pray for Azariah. Um, uh, often, do you know? Because he's my friend. I love Azariah. I've got to know Azariah across these um, 13 years. I pray for Azariah. Azariah stumbles into church this morning. He tells me he's got gout, you know. So, you know, I pray for Azariah's well-being. He's still got gout in his toe. It doesn't always work like that, but we are committed to praying and being dependent on God. I am. Great. So there's a bunch of questions, Peter. If all of that is true, these are really practical questions about how mm. we should pray. Um, so first one is, just how should we frame our prayers if we can't be sure God's going to answer them or that we're going to get what we want? Um, you know, is Jesus, when he puts it, the Lord prayer in the Bible, just advocating a sort of ritualistic form of doing prayers? Mm. Um, should meditation and inter internal change be part of our prayer life? Yeah. Okay, well, like I said about the, the first bit, like I said about the Lord's Prayer that, that Jesus taught us, it's an aching and a longing. Every prayer is an aching and longing. It needs to be in your soul the whole time. Do you, that's a real prayer, isn't it? It's not something you trot out a few words on a page or oh, I do my two minutes in the morning. It's what we long for, what we work for, what we ache for, and that is uh, the, the whole idea. What was the first question, Dave? Just how should we frame our prayers if we're not sure God's going to answer them? I, I pray my, uh, frame my prayers like this all the time. When I pray, pray for people, I, I prayed for Alf. Do you know I prayed for Alf? I was with him just two days before he died, and I, I can't remember coming home from St. Uh, St. Thomas's Hospital. I pray, Lord, I actually say to God, look, I don't know what the deal is here, but I want you to know what my will is. My will is that Alf should get out of that hospital. My will is... Um, my will is that Brenda died uh, a, a two summers ago. She was part of the church. She was in her 50s. She died of, of cancer. 
I, we pray, didn't my, I used to say to God, I don't know what the big deal is, but my will is that Brenda does not die. And I will do everything I can to work with her, to love her, to wrap my arms around her, to wrap the arms of this community around her. That is my will. Look, get real, I'd say to you. If God, if we just prayed and God did anything, why don't we just stay here out of commitment to the world till six this evening and let's pray that famine will end and let's pray there be no more traffic people and let's pray that there will not be one more woman raped and let's pray that no LGBT person will lose their life under a train because they can't live with the guilt that's been forced on them by a society that still misreads the Bible. Let's pray that all injustice will end. We could do that together by the power of our prayer by six o'clock and the world will be sorted. None of us believe in that simplistic idea of the world. All of us in the end believe that we're engaged in, in a battle. So I pray with real meaning. Does prayer change anything? It certainly changes me. Prayer always changes the prayer because they, I, in my prayer I'm recognizing my dependence on God, my thankfulness to God, my desire to walk with him. Mother Teresa, by the way, you should read her letters. She worked for about 40, 50 years in Calcutta. You should read her letters because she tells you this, that for most part of those 50 years she never felt God's presence at all. She was just committed to doing his work. In the end, she saved and worked with hundreds of people in 192 countries now, her, her, her project works. But the truth is, there were many others that died and were lost, and she always mourned that. But she was always driven back to pray and plead with God and to give her life to that thing. Steve, I'm going to stop you there because I want to just wedge one more in. Yeah. Um, so final question. When prayers don't get answered, has that got anything to do with a lack of faith? You know, some people say, we didn't get answered because you didn't have enough faith. No, I don't believe that prayer not being answered has anything to do with a lack of faith. God, um, I think these, these, these kind of little kind of things that we believe, they kind of put people down. You know, I remember I had a good friend called Carol. Um, Connie and I had a friend called Carol who died, and she was the wife of somebody who led a church, and the whole church was called to prayer. It was a big charismatic church. And uh, the whole church was called to prayer and she was dying. And no one could even speak out that she was dying because that was seen as to pray a curse over her. So the whole church had to believe that she was being healed. And they all prayed and prayed, although it was obvious that many of them could see her decline. And I remember sitting with Carol on her own and she knew her decline. She knew what was going on. And in the end, she didn't even have the chance to say goodbye to her friends in the way she wanted to um, because the prayer of faith would heal and then you get this thing if they'd have prayed harder or they'd have pray prayed in the right formula what kind of God is God if he asked me to get the words in the right order do you know if I get the words in the right order and they trip out my tongue and I put in the name of Jesus in the right places it'll all be okay but if I don't pray right and we use the wrong kind of oil in anointing then God's not listening if God has, as I said last week, a view as he looks around the world and he hears all the people crying out in pain and he goes, yep, no, yeah, yeah, no, Ooh, thinking about it, hang on, maybe I'll get back to you, definitely not you, yes. If God's like that, he shouldn't be worshipped, he's less of a moral being than we are. He's less than we are, not more than we are. The Bible says that God is love and the Bible tells us that God is wrestling 
we're involved in this wrestling fight. So I pray, I pray more and more and more as I get older and older and older. And I believe that the prayer changes me and our prayers change the world. When some of us, Azariah, one of them, we used to meet in this uh, church when I first came and there were a small group of us in a building that very different to this and this building was open for an hour or so a week and we prayed and we worked and our prayers weren't just when we had our eyes shut they were when we were talking and discussing and debating etc etc Alf was one of those people and now this week any week you know there's there's probably a thousand people use this building a day every day we're running a secondary school the school's outstanding we've lifted kids literacy levels they will get jobs they will go to university we're working with families we're getting families out of debt we're providing food for people we're providing community for people that's a prayer thank you <laughs>